I pray for every person that will hear this teaching this morning. I thank you, Father God, that I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and that the word shall go forth in power and might as pastor and I teach this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher, our counselor, our guide, and we realize that we are in the last days and that everything that you have to say to us is important. And so, Father, it's important for us to yield ourselves to you and allow you to minister through us to the congregation, Father God, in areas that we don't know that what they're going through. They don't know what we're going through but you do. And so God, I thank you that we, be in, we, that we are obedient to say and do everything that you've asked us, of us to do this morning. And we cast every care of this whole service, anything, any care that anybody's walked in here with, anything, we cast it all over onto you this morning, Father God. We free ourselves so we can hear the word of God. So we are ground that's ready to hear the word, not just become hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And so, Father God, I'm asking you to remove the things that would prevent us from opening up our spirits to you and allowing you to completely bring forth healing and wholeness and soundness of mind and areas, Father God, that have been hindered. I bind every demonic spirit, every principality and power, every manifestation of the flesh, and I loosen the power and the anointing of God. And I thank you, God, that greater are you that's in us than he that's in the world. So, Father, I praise you for this. I thank you for the privilege of being just a vessel to be used by you in this service. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turmoil. Tumult. Noisy. Quarreling. But influenced by moil. And so I have to look up that word, M-O-I-L. So I went over here and I thought, okay, it's not a word I use. And this means to toil, drudge, drudgery, hard work, and then that's number one, two, confusion and turmoil. So, to work in, it's, it's used kind of like if you were to work in wet or wet ground, to toil, to drudge, that's part of it. But then it says, number one is drudgery, hard work, two, confusion, turmoil. Now let's go back to the word turmoil, that's moil, okay? So, turmoil, again, Tumult, noisy, quarreling, but influenced by moil. Tumult, commotion, 
uproar and confusion. It sounds like the word the world we're living in right now, doesn't it? And I've had people, you know, come to me and and call me, not necessarily from this church, but other people that say it's just so it's a drudgery. It's like um, the best way I can put it, it's like trying to wade through quicksand or trying to move forward when everything possible is trying to push you back and you're and you keep pressing on and so turmoil yet this is tumult noisy quarreling but influenced by moil and we've got that one tumult commotion uproar and confusion many people are dealing with confusion in this hour it's unbelievable to me and I'd, I'd just like to share a, a couple things that really, um, we have a, a friend, actually, they're not close friends, they're acquaintances of ours, that his wife had a heart attack and then went into a coma. And this is the eighth week. And I didn't even hear about it until about the, probably the third week maybe. And all of a sudden, this, the Spirit of God came upon me to start, to start writing to him and just sharing the word with him. And it was interesting because we became very close through this and our prayer hooked together in this with many people. You know, one of the things that the Lord had me share with him is one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000, and yet you figure how many people are agreeing with you in prayer. So the other day, they had had, um, he, he said it had been a very rough day. And I said, because now we're going into the next, you know, when you go through something like this, like I did 20-something years ago, you go, there are stages in this. And I said, now for the next stage, what are the scriptures that you're standing on so we can frame, pastor and I can agree with you in framing the word of God in this, in this area that you're going through right now, that you're about to enter into. And I was truly amazed what he wrote. It, you could see through this circumstance and situation that he had gone through, instead of running and hiding, he had built himself up in the word of God and there was much more word now than there was before. It was, it was exciting to me to see how much, how much typed out word there was, you know, on um, my, my wall and, you know, no one else could read it. But I was so amazed on how, you know, when it, when it started, there wasn't that much. I mean, there was, but there wasn't. But now he has her so framed it reminded me, uh, the, her world frame with the word of God, it reminded me kind of like, a, and this is going to sound funny, but a person that is in a padded cell, no, they can't get out and nobody can get in. You understand what I'm saying? And unless they have the, the key to the door and the lock. And it was like, she is so covered and protected by the word of God that that this has to take, that has to come through. 
but I watched instead because I've seen people in circumstances and situations instead of growing just kind of becoming fearful and giving up and we have to become so diligent in the things of God when we go through a test and trial knowing that the trying of our faith worketh patience that we're going to have to take the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and we realize that it's, the, it's our faith that the enemy's trying to come against. He's bringing turmoil and confusion and every other thing in the world today to get your mind off of the purpose and the plan that God has for you. We don't have time to get messed up with the things of the world, with the cares of the world. We don't have, there is no, there's not the time now. Too many people I know are having dreams and visions and are hearing that Jesus is coming soon, that this is not the time to fall back, but this is the time to press in and press on. And those that, that are in, in the house of the Lord and in, in, in right with him at this point, they are the ones that are going to be saved. I mean, I had a friend that doesn't even believe in visions that had a vision in her church two weeks ago, I believe it was, and when she told me about it, she goes, I don't even believe in visions. She said, Jesus showed up where the overhead was. He showed up and was smiling at me and began to speak to me. And she said he had the crown of thorns on and one drop of blood and began to share how those of us that were here, and she said it was just a handful of people. And that's what was bothering her in the beginning. And I shared this last week. That was bothering her at the beginning because there was just a handful of people. And she thought, where are the people? And the Lord appeared to her and he said, don't concern yourself about those. These that are here are protected. And he, she said he looked at every one of the people that were there and smiled. Then we heard the tape last, last um, Wednesday night, for those of you that were here, where um, Rick talked about there is a seat and he expects Jesus to come into every service. He comes in every time we're here. The Bible says that. When any two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. So we can't bring this junk in with us and expect to have a mighty outpouring of the Spirit in our lives, much less in the church. We've got to just dump the junk outside. I know Terry met me at the door outside there this morning, and she heard me verbally say, I dump all this junk off right out here. <laughs> Didn't I, Terry? She heard me say it. I dump it out here because this morning was a wild morning at our house um, just because of things that have to be done. wasn't anything with Pastor and I. But you have to get rid of it before you ever walk in. So if you haven't done it yet, do it now, please. But it just encouraged me so much. Instead of running from God, this man ran to God in this life and death situation. It's a life situation. God is pulling this thing through and he will. He is not a man that he should lie. But there comes a place where we must stand like we've never stood before and we're in it right now, church. Hallelujah. You know, we cannot lose hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hoped for. You cannot lose your hope. You've got to keep that out there in front of you. Faith is the substance of things. If there's no hope, if there is no hope, 
what can you attach your faith to? Amen? And people are, people are losing hope in every area. I've never, I've never seen anything like it, and I've never heard anything like it, but God prepared us that it would happen. And I shared with you the day before the her, um, tornado in Oklahoma that God had shown me that those that were in the house of God would be safe. Those that were right with God would be safe. But those that weren't, that were out fooling around, wouldn't. I had no idea that was going to happen. I sat up here and wept on the, on the pew, and God began to share it with me. Things were going to start happening in this country like never before. But those that are right with God will be safe. Hallelujah. So know that. That's, 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 to me, that's exciting. Okay, ushers, if you would come forward. Today is a dream that they'd had in the middle of the night. And um, I'm going to share bits and pieces of it since we're, praying, we're teaching on prayer right now. And more and more of this is going to be happening. They had a, a vision, dream vision, whatever you want to call it. I wasn't there. And they actually saw children that were being, be, they were ready, the person was ready to bring great harm to them. And in this dream, they saw this. And they were able to get up and pray and bind it and curse it and deal with it. My prayer was the person got caught before it ever happened. Those things happen. When God reveals those things to you, get out of your bed and start praying immediately. Pull over in the car. God will never put that type of prayer on you unless you're available and you can pray it. And I shared with the person the one time that the I've, I actually felt like a prostitute one whole Saturday, and I got down and prayed, and I thought, this, I've never been one. Aren't you happy, church? That's one thing I can say. I've never been a prostitute. And um, it was a horrible feeling. I prayed most of Saturday, and in the service the next morning, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you remember the woman you prayed for all day yesterday? And I said, yes, and he said, she's here. And he told me how to word it so no one else in the congregation would know. You don't even need to concern yourself. That person's not here. I called it out. She came forward. She began to tell the story how she had um, made a contract and she was prostituting herself out in a poem when she got up there and decided not to. But there was no way out. And she said... For hours she tried to, she didn't, she didn't go through with it. God protected her. For hours she tried to figure out how she could get out of there. And supernaturally God made a very quick, very quick escape for her and she got out. And she, had, she was backslidden at the time. Trust me, she was no longer backslidden that next Sunday or that Sunday morning. So church, do not be surprised at some of the things God will show you in the spirit. If you're ready, he's ready to, to call on you to pray. Hallelujah. So prayer. Pastor. Amen. Did you already open up in prayer? I think you did. I did. Okay, let's go to the nugget. Worry. W-O-R-R-Y. Worry does not take away tomorrow's troubles. 
Hmm. Worry does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. One more time. Worry doesn't take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Okay. Think about that for a moment. And we're ministering on prayer this morning. Uh, Jesus in his teaching and by his examples illustrated prayer. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, After this manner therefore pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us not our debts as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, that was Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Now go to Matthew chapter 14. This is Matthew chapter 14 now. Looking at verse 23. And when, he was, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when uh, the evening was come, he was there alone. So we see uh, he taught them, he told them how to pray. Now, now he demonstrates it. And if we go to chapter 21 of Matthew. Twenty-one, twenty-one, and 22. That's Matthew 21, 21. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and, not, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which I have done to the fig tree, but also ye shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and it shall be done. Verse 22. All things whatsoever ye ask in, my, in prayer, believing ye shall receive. So Jesus taught and by uh, word and example. Glory to God. We can do nothing without prayer. This is the teaching of Jesus. Okay? Pray and never faint is or should be our motto. Pray and never faint should be our motto. Hebrews chapter 10. Something there yet? In Hebrews chapter 10. Well, um, I like what the Amplified says while you're turning there. He said, Truly I say unto you, if you have faith, a firm relying trust, and do not doubt, you will not only do what you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will be done. And there are many mountains in people's lives that they need to speak to. The reason why the mountains are not leaving is because they're not spoken to. Amen. It's true. I, we will be having a healing line after for those that need it. But you have to speak to them. You know, sometimes we just allow these things to go on. Ah, it's not such a big thing. Well, let me tell you, a, big, a little thing could turn into a big thing later on. So you need to deal with it when it's a, when it's a little hill before it becomes a mountain. Amen? Okay. Okay, that's Hebrews chapter 10. 
And verse 23, again, we pray and never faint should be our motto. Verse 23, let us hold fast our profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Uh, we'll read that from the Amplified. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope which we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Down to verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. From the Amplified, do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. So we need to hold on what prayer says. Hold true on it. Amen? You have something there? Uh, yeah. In verse 22, it says, Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith by the leaning on the entire leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. We have to have absolute trust and confidence in his power. And Dan talked some on that this morning. You have to have complete confidence in him. You know, he's not a man that he should lie. You know, there's many of, of us, all of us have had confidence and trust in people that have, have let us down. But we have to realize that God is not a man that he shall lie and he will not let us down. And that's where most, most people miss it. They begin to think of him as a man and not as God. It's easier to go to a person for a circumstance or situation sometimes than it is to God. But when we go to God, we must take the word and have full confidence that he will do it. And we've all seen miracles done. But you cannot. Many people see God do a miracle and then they let loose after. That's not the time to let loose. You've got to hang on and hang on and hang on. That's why Dodie Osteen is still alive. Her husband died. She's the one that had cancer and had, what, three days to live, I believe. She took the word of God, grabbed hold of that word, wouldn't let go of it, I believe still to today. It took years. This was not something that was an overnight thing. It took years for her to, to, to accomplish what she was, not her to, but for her to walk in what the promise of God said to completely turn around, but she couldn't give up and didn't. And yet her husband died and she's still alive. That's amazing to me. There, there is a tenacity and a diligence that you have to have, no matter what it looks like. Because we went to meetings and it, it to personally, it didn't look like anything was happening if you were to look in the natural. But the Spirit of God, that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead was working in her 
with the, when she spoke the word of God, completely healing and restoring her, rebuilding her body. Hallelujah. Amen. Praying believers must be strong in hope and faith and be directed by prayer. Amen. Because having hope and faith is great, but you, it needs direction, and prayer gives the leading direction there. Amen? There can be no substitute for prayer. It stands alone as a great spiritual force. Prayer is a great spiritual force. We need to get that into our system. Amen? Prayer is our most formable weapon. Formable, I guess you pronounce it. But it is one that we least are skilled in. Whoa. We do everything else but the thing that God wants us to do that will make us proficient. Prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verse 19 from the King James. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints from the Amplified. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To the end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all saints. God's consecrated people. So we need to pray. Amen. This is spiritual warfare. That uh, chapter 6 verses 10 through 18 says that we're in spiritual warfare. And the only way you're going to put on that armor is or keep that armor on is through prayer. Okay, prayer is like a trade. I'm not, not trading off, but a trade where people uh, where people work. It's, it's called a trade. This is your trade, okay? Okay, understand? Uh, again, prayer is, mu is much like a trade. Much thought, practice, and labor are required to be a skilled workman, or what we call now a journeyman. Prayer and the holy a holy life are one. Prayer and a holy life are one. The absence of one means there is an absence of the other. You need a holy life to have being a good prayer. If you're not a good prayer, you don't have a holy life. So they go hand in hand. The gospel moves slowly and at a timid pace when believers are not on their knees in prayer. Notice what, is, what has happened to our country. Because as Christians, we have not held our place. This country is in bad, bad shape. The gospel has not gone forth. Uh, prayer has been taken out of schools, etc., etc. Okay? Nothing but special effort and prayer can change things. James, since we're in that neighborhood, let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 5. 
looking at verse 16. We'll read the whole thing, but it's the last part that we really want to take a look at. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer. You have to be on fire to be fervent. Prayer honors God and dishonors self or puts self down. Prayer is not self-centered. It's God-centered. Prayer does not lull to sleep but arouses to new action. Prayer should get us to do something, move something. Let's go uh, back up to uh, return. Did we ever go to? No. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 this time. In Hebrews chapter 11. Hmm. Let's go to verse, start with verse 33. That's Hebrews 11:33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. <coughs> Wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, 34, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight, flight, the, the, uh, fight the armies of aliens. Verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepted. Uh, accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's, let's look at a few people that did this. We'll, we'll just mention them. Hannah, in the book of Samuel, wanted a child. A child that brought life. One that was godly. It happened. And he started the priesthood. As we know it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Esther. Queen Esther. A nation was going to be destroyed. But through her prayer. It was spared. David. A kingdom was established. That would last forever. Elijah, God was vindicated before the prophets of Baal. Daniel, the world's future events were revealed. Wow, that's neat. The deep things of God are learned nowhere else but through prayer. You want to get something deep in, in God's word, you need to get into prayer. Prayer and study, they go hand in hand, okay? Again, the great things of God are done through prayer. We have uh, Jesus is the example of someone who had a prayer life. He, what he prayed came to pass. Amen. Amen? The execution of the gospel... The vigor of faith, and the maturity and excellence of spiritual graces all revolve around prayer. Let me read that again. The execution of the gospel, the vigor of your faith, the maturity and excellence of spiritual graces all revolve around prayer. You cannot have those 
other things operating unless you are in prayer. It's true. It's true. I have something to share with her. She has something to share. You know, you, um, we can't stay in tune with God unless we separate ourselves, pull ourselves apart daily, many times a day. You know, there's, there are, when I usually sit down, I, I just sit back and I know pastor will come in and I'm just um, many times just laying there praying in the Holy Ghost, just waiting on the Lord and seeking what he would have me to do or who he would have me to pray for. But I, last night when I was doing my reading, I have some reading I do right before I go to bed. And it was in 1 Peter chapter 4, and I found this very interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and read this to us because it does have to do with pray, prayer. So since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, for you, everybody turn there because I really think you're going to understand. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1. So since Christ suffered in the flesh for us, for you, arm yourself with the same thought and purpose, patiently to suffer rather than fail to please God. For whosoever has suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ, is done with intentional sin. So you're done with sin, has stopped pleasing himself in the world and pleases God. This really stuck out to me because it, it talks about in the uh, New King James is what I read at night. It says, So for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Well, unfortunately, this is not going on in the church, most of the church nowadays. They're acting just like the world, and the world can't really see the difference, except they go to church. Maybe not every Sunday, but once in a while. I've shared with you before when um, Pastor was telling me about Jesus, we were going to the bars. He was having as much fun as I was, seemingly. He was probably miserable. And telling me about Jesus. So in my heart, I figured I, you know, I, I knew I wasn't born again, and I really didn't want to hear about Jesus. But if he could do it, I could do it, and I was just as good as he was. Do you all understand where I'm coming from here? So there is a, there's a holiness that God's expecting us to set apart ourselves in right now, in this hour. So then it goes on to say, well, he's always wanted this. So that he no longer spends the rest of his natural life living in his human appetites and desire, but he lives for what God wills. In other words, we are to live for what God wills in his word for us to be and do. Amen? Then it goes on to say, from, time, from the time is past already suffices for doing what the Gentiles like to do, living as you have done in shameless, insolent wantonness and lustful desires, drunkenness, reveling, drinking bouts, abominable, 
abominable, lawless idolatries. They are astonished and think it very queer that you do not now run hand in hand with them in the same excess of dispensation and they, and they abuse you. So in other words, I've had, I've had family members tell me when their, their drug addict families get delivered and, and have changed, I liked him better the way he was before because we could have fellowship together. So then it goes on, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge and pass sentence on the living and the dead. This is pretty heavy. You know, I know that many Christians in the days, well, throughout the years, time and time again, have had to go through things. Do not concern yourself about what's being said about you. God will deal with it. He says it right here. This is what I read last night. You stay out of it. God will deal with it. Y'all understand where I'm coming from on this? So many times we want to deal with something and we want to change something. You let God deal it. He promises it, that he will. Then he goes on to say, um, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge and pass sentence on the living and the dead. For this is why the good news, the gospel was preached in their lifetime, even to the dead and through in fleshly bodies as men are, and that they might live in the spirit as God does. But the end and culmination of all things is now come near, keeping sound-minded and self-restrained and alert, therefore, for the, for the practice of prayer. So this is what he's telling us that we need to do. We need to keep a sound mind. We need to have self-restraint. We need to be alert for the practice of prayer. Above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. We are to intensely have a love for one another. Amen. I'm talking about the body of Christ. For love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and, and disregards the offenses of others. You know, it talks about the root of bitterness in, in Hebrews. That root runs deep. And you cannot pray the way that God desires you to pray if there is a root of bitterness in there. And that's the first thing I, well, I check out right away. God, is there anything in me that is keeping me from entering into the realm of the spirit that you desire me to enter into? Because when you get rid of the, or when we get rid of this stuff and not allow it any longer, any of this, I challenge you to read chapter four. When we, when we make a decision, this, this stuff is over and all I want to do is serve you and do your will in this, in this time, in this hour, in my Christian walk, things will just start changing just like this in your life. I can't explain it, but there will be such change you won't even know yourself. Your thoughts will change, your actions will change, your words will change, because you're desiring to please Him. Everything that God has been sending, having me read lately 
has to do with the last times, the last days, the scoffers, and the things that are going to go on in the last days. We're in it. I mean, I can open my Bible, just open it, and that's where I'm at, at some place where it talks about this. So we're in it, and he's trying to, he's, he's showing us, not trying, he is showing us what we have to change and how we need to act in our, out of our heart in this time, in this hour, to please him. Hallelujah. Okay, sweetie. Amen. If we'll turn now to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. That's Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it will be open. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We are to ask, seek, and knock. And then the advanced step. After you do those things, there's an advanced step that, that takes place. Receiving, finding, and opening. Amen. That means we need to be persistent and bold in all our efforts in prayer. The cost of effort, the costly sacrifice, the cost of conflicts will all be outweighed by the results of answered prayer. Whatever you go through in the prayer, whatever comes against you, it's all worth it because once the answer comes, you rejoice. That's right. Being a half-hearted in prayer will produce failed results. Okay? Being half-hearted in prayer will produce failed results. We must learn to press in and wait on God to be earnest in our approach to Him. Glory to God. Let's turn out to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We find Abraham... Speaking to God. You say, well, this is not prayer. But it's, it's, it's just like prayer. Because he's asking God something. That's uh, Genesis 18. And looking at verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Adam stood, uh, Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, What wilt thou destroy the righteous and the wicked? Peradventure, if there be fifty righteous within the city, wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That it be far from thee to, to do this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked, that as far as thee shall, shall not the judge of the earth do right, Verse 26, and the Lord said, I, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous in the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And we see here, Abraham begins to bargain, you could say, pray <laughs> on Sodom and Gomorrah's half, behalf. Um, this shows a commitment to prayer. Shows a commitment and, and a um, 
passion for people. Now, we, as you read it, he goes down to ten people. <laughs> right? The question is, if Abraham had not ceased in his asking, would God have ceased in his giving? Abraham stopped it. He says, at 10. But God didn't say, well, okay. He says, okay, that's what you want. Abraham left off asking before God left off granting. Think about it. God went Some of us are asking God too little. In other words, he'll tell you when, hey, okay, you don't have enough there. Think about that. The blessings which came to Jesus were impregnated and purchased by and through prayer. Jesus would go off and pray and come back down and miracles would take place and so forth. Okay? Asking. Matthew 7 and 7. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. It's a rule that's not going to change. Whoa. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 2. You know, you wonder. I can just imagine God. I know when my kids used to come and ask me for things, Sometimes I'd want to look at them and say, is that all you want? Because I was, I was ready to give you much more. But I wanted them to learn how to expect and to ask. And that's how I believe God is. He's kind of like, is that all you, is that? Because he's put desires in our heart. Is that all you want? That's why I tell people, make a list. Frame each one of those things with the word of God and begin to expect. Amen? Okay. Psalms chapter 2. Look at verse 8. God is speaking. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thy inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Ask of me. This rule can't be Rejected. He's telling us to ask him. In Matthew 7 and 7, Jesus says, ask. He's not going to alter that rule. That's right. All we have to do is ask. The goal of prayer is the ear of God. And allowing him to speak to us. It's all too often that we get faint-hearted and we quit praying at a point where we ought to begin praying or to press in. I think Abraham could have got it down to one person and Sodom and Gomorrah would be still there and maybe Lot would have had the boldness and fortitude to change things around because he, he was at the city gate. He became one of the elders at the city gate. Wow. 
Our prayers are weak because we are not impassioned by unfailing and irresistible willpower. We have to will it. There's another place in, in Isaiah. Ask. Decree a thing. That's in Job. Can I share something? Go for it. Go for it. You know, so many times people just put up with stuff. And you just kind of shake your head and you go, why? Why, why put up with it? When we have been given the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. I'm not saying this is not going to be a fight of faith, because it is. It's a fight of faith. But they put up with stuff and allow it to go on. When we, we have, and, and the root thing, the root cause here is fear. Especially, I've found in parents of today, they're fearful. They're fearful to do anything that's going to cause any problem. Is if you do what God's word tells you to do, then he will back his word. But most people do not know who they are in Christ Jesus. The enemy's already been put under their feet that God has given them the power and he has given them the word and this is the shield of faith. This is everything that we need. But most people don't even, like, like he said on the tape the other night, most people don't even bring their Bibles to church anymore. That, that is, you know, you see people walking in, into churches, they don't even have their Bibles or iPads or whatever with them to look at the word. They just sit there and sit there. I don't know what they sit there and do. They sit there. Well, they put it up on the projector and the projector could be wrong. Somebody can change the, the word. But it, does, it doesn't matter. This, I can't, I can't live without this. I cannot live without my word. I cannot. I, I can't live without praying continually. I, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't do it. That's such a part of my life. I can't even imagine not being able to. They'd have to lock me up and cut my tongue out or something like they did Watchman Nee because the word is so in, 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 so deep in there that I can't live without the word. We need to stretch our faith out there and ask. And when you get, when you win, win a situation, when you go through something and you win, what the enemy wants to do is press you down and, and put you down. But I'm going to tell you, right around the corner is the next one that you're going, next hurdle you're going to go through. So you may as well be prepared continually to get up and walk through it because sooner or later he's going to go, forget it. I don't want any part of these people. Amen? Amen. Know that you have the word in you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And the enemy knows that. When you practice the word, when you speak the word, he knows that person is bold. I don't want to mess with them because I can't get them down. 
no matter what I do, I can't get them down unless they let me. Hallelujah. Last scripture, I think, right? Almost. Okay. Do more. We need to ask. Ask me. You remember, I, I can't remember the king's name. I have to look it up. The Lord said, the, the prophet came to him and said, you're going to die. And he, and he repented. Spare my life. I think it was King Josiah. I don't remember. Hezekiah? And that was Hezekiah. Well, whatever king it was, he asked his life be spared. And God gave him 15 years more. Why? He asked. It was, he, 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 he was emboldened to ask. He said, I don't want to die right I mean, it might have been a fear. But he said, I don't want to die right now. He repented for all the bad things, and God says, okay, I'm going to give you an extra 15 years. Wow. Because he asked. God could have said, well, I'll give you five, but look at it. He gave him 15. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, he didn't use the 15 years correctly. Try it. But still, God gave Stupid. him 15 years. We need to come alive to God's word. Amen. Maybe we should... I entitled it uh, Institute, uh, Institute Prayer, but I think it should, I should have entitled it Ask of Me. I have a friend that when she was giving childbirth to her first child, died. The pastor never heard the story. He was with me the other day and I had her tell him, tell him about it. And um, she said, it's really strange. You see yourself lifted up and you see all of them down there working over you and she, her husband was crying and carrying on, but she went, she went right straight up into heaven. And she said, I saw the light. I saw the, the beauty of it and everything. And God said, not yet. And she said, not yet. <laughs> she said on her way, she said it was so fast. Not yet. And she looked at me and she said, well, at least you said not yet. That means I know I'm going. And she said, she went back down and... and saw everybody, saw the whole thing working on her and right back into her body. But she said in her thoughts as she was going and she said it was so fast, my husband, it's a, it's a boy, hadn't even been born yet. They didn't know in those days what they were, but, but she, she knew it was a boy. He can take care of a boy, that's no problem. I'm out of here. But then for God to say not yet, she said I was really disappointed. And that's been 40 something years ago. But it really was inspiration to him because she was talking about the beauty of heaven and, and, and the, the goodness of God. If I go there, folks, I don't want to hear not yet. I'll, I'll be mad. I will be mad. <laughs> she was a little upset about it. Luke 18, 1. Luke 18, 1. Our day's coming, and it's not going to be not yet. It's going to be, come on in. The horn's going to go, and we're out of here. Trumpet your sound. Yep. 81, he spake a parable unto him, them, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. We need to always to pray. God is always attentive to your prayer. Read it in Amplified. 
and she said, read it. Uh, Let me read provide. it. Verse 1. Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, or give up. So prayer is a privilege which should be enjoyed. Prayer will fail when desires, pardon me, prayer will fail when desire and effort for personal holiness fail. Prayer will fail when the desire for an effort of personal holiness fail. Better praying and more of it is what we need. Okay? God is true to his promise. Ask of me. He sends new gladness to revive us, his people. Natural ability and educational advantages do not factor in prayer. <laughs> it's, it's one's zeal, devotion, yearning, and seeking after the fullness of God that touches his heart to bring forth his favor, his mercy, and his goodness into that which we ask of him. Hallelujah. So let us desire to pray effectively to win the heart of God and to change and bless the world that we live in. Amen. Amen. Can I read this part? This is good. This 18. Okay, it's really fast. Read Let's read this 18, Luke starting 18. with one. Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither reverenced and feared God, nor respected or considered man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, protect and defend and give me justice against my adversary. And for a time he would not, but later he said to himself, though I have neither reverence or fear for God, nor respect or consider, consideration for man, Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continually coming, and at the last she come and rail on me, assault me, and strangle me. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will, and will not... Our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones who cry to him day and night. Will he defer them and delay help on their, on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. This is for some of you right now. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find persistence. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith on the earth? Wow. Wow. When the Son of Man comes, will he, will he find persistence? Persistence in faith on the earth. It says in the King James, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, 
shall he find faith on the earth. He's telling us what we're going to have to do here. We are going to have to become persistent. Continually persistent. Stand in the face of God and not quit. Amen? Too many people stop. They give up. They grow faint. We can't. You keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until the enemy gets out of the way. You know, one thing I will say about the, about the enemy, he, and the Brother Hagin, you say that he is persistent, but you know what? God is, is more persistent, and he puts that in us to say, you know what, I'm not giving up on this situation, no matter how bad it looks. If I'm the only person here at work or wherever praying, it has to work. It has to go. And it's really sad to me because we're in the last days and there isn't a lot of faith on this earth right now because people have given up. Because it says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. Please read this. Because some people have found themselves in this situation and they've wanted to give up. That is a trick from the enemy. When it comes to that place, then you just jump up there and say, I'm not giving up. Any time that I have felt like giving up, the, the answer is right around the corner about ready to take place. And there have been times when I've been the only one there that, have been, that has been standing and everybody else thinks I'm nuts. Well, you know what? I am for Jesus. At least he has not told any of us like he told the prophet, run around naked. Amen. You can smile at that because thank God none of us yet have been told to do that. You laugh, but you know what? Jesus our Lord hung on the cross naked have clothes on himself. Are we any better? Don't leave this place saying, I said we're going to run around naked like the person that said we were going to pray people out of the graveyard that time. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, um, we'll go ahead and, Pastor, you can release people and, and I'll stay and pray for those that need prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, that once again that your Holy Spirit was here to open our eyes of our understanding. And I thank you, Lord, that each and every one of us caught the spirit of prayer and asking of you. So, Father God, thank you, Lord, that we begin to do those things that we've been called to do, that we will initiate the things that we need to do. In Jesus' name, now give us each a good night, a good day, Father God, a good week to bless others in. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. For those that need to go, go ahead, put the music on. And